What is up, football fans? Welcome back to another episode of Pound the Pigskin, where it's all football all the time. This is your host, Steve Hillen, along with your fellow football host, Alex the Marine Ruiz, Matt Bear Kaczynski. Gentlemen, we are bringing the show tonight on a Friday, just before conference championship weekend. We've got coaching decisions that have been made throughout the NFL. We've got games to preview that have plenty of uh, – storylines heading into them so we'll get into all of that tonight but first we'll start off with our drink of the night brought to you by string sports brewery and now that i am home and it is still football season we have ice cold miller light not 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 tanned bush that kelsey was pounding in the sweets of the bills game Uh, (laughs) gotta gotta love him though millionaire who's just drinking good old canned bush in his suite, but anyway, I got Miller Lite. What do you guys got? One of us. One of us. Um, he probably could. He probably could run for president and win. I love that Kelsey called that out. Anyway, um, we don't. We don't go to that rabbit hole. Um, Travis, that is called that out. Um, yeah, he did. I have. I have a little uh, black coffee with some uh, little caramel syrup. There you go. And Alex is almost done with dry January. A few more days left. So, what do you got? You drinking orange juice? Uh, no, I'm not drinking orange juice. Actually, I was just hoping for the delivery of something like you know, good old, full, pulp-free Florida's natural. <laughs> I mean, I do have some in here. I do have some, but that's that's not my drink of choice. I am I'm drinking a ice cold TG Lee chocolate milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my stomach can handle that. I would. The, the orange no, I, the best, uh, reveal we've ever had out of a drink. Just I, you know. I am, I am toasting it up to a ten, what, whichever, a, a ten tea bag hot water ass, unmeasured sugar pour, delight and refreshing sweet tea. Sweet tea. <laughs> okay, there you go. Hey, sweet man, good- tea, it is. So let's get into let's get into some sweet tea, aka some hot news around the NFL. We'll start off with the coaching carousel that always happens. Uh, it's like a whirlwind. You got the playoffs, and then you got coaching uh, the coaching carousel in the NFL. So last time we had the show last week, the only job that had been filled was Gerard Mayo was the new coach for the New England Patriots and Antonio Pierce had just gotten the job with the Las Vegas Raiders. Since then, we have had more signings. We'll start it off. Well, we'll go through what the signings are, and then we'll get your boys' uh, opinions on which one made sense, which one didn't make sense, what fit you like the most. So we'll start off. You got the Tennessee Titans. Uh, They went ahead and they hired – Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator from the Cincinnati Bengals, to be their new head coach, and he will call plays there in Tennessee. That is the son of former NFL coach Bill Callahan. So Titans and Brian Callahan as the head coach. We've got the Carolina Panthers hiring Dan Canales, the offensive coordinator from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He will be 
the head coach there in Carolina, pairing him up with Bryce Young. You've got Raheem Morris going back to the Atlanta Falcons. He was a interim head coach there years ago. He comes over as the defensive coordinator from the Los Angeles Rams. And then, of course, you have the Los Angeles Chargers hiring head coach Jim Harbaugh coming over from the University of Michigan after he wins the national title there. There's a couple couple of coordinator hires as well and some general manager hires, so some notable coordinator hires. Uh, Giants bringing in Michael Gobriel to be their special teams coordinator. The Eagles getting Vic Fangio to come over from the Dolphins to be their defensive coordinator. Um, the Raiders decided to bring in Tom Telesco as their general manager. Fucking have at it. He'll, <laughs> he'll clip coupons for you guys all day long. Um, the Jaguars bring in defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen, who had the same title in Atlanta this year, as well as bringing in uh, linebacker coach Matt House. And then your offensive coordinators, the Chicago Bears making some moves, bringing in Shane Waldron as their OC, and then bringing in Kerry Joseph as their quarterbacks coach. Carolina, on top of the Dave Canales head coaching hire, brings in Dan Morgan, former middle linebacker from the U, as well as former middle linebacker from Carolina to be their new president and general manager. So with that being said, boys, right now the only jobs still open for head coaching uh, positions. You've got the Seattle Seahawks. And I know that they've been flirting with Dan Quinn. Obviously, they let Pete Carroll go. You've got Mike Vrabel still out there. you got Bill Belichick still out there. Washington, obviously, still has their vacancy, but there's been a lot of um, – chatter about Ben Johnson, the OC from the Lions, potentially being their guy once the Lions season ends. So we won't speculate. Let's get into what we know to be facts. Which of the head coach hirings makes the most sense to you as the best fit? Um, Besides already talked about last week? Yeah, exactly. Besides, besides Antonio Pierce with the with the Raiders, we we all thought that that one was a pretty, uh, you know, pretty much locked done deal. The players were bought into him. That one made made a ton of sense. And obviously, Gerard Mayo was the heir apparent to the Patriot way. So both of those two last week that we talked about, those ones were kind of no brainers to us. Um. I mean, I know it's the big fish in the you know the pond here, but I mean, I don't think Harbaugh's a bad hire at all. Um, well, it can't get I, worse than what the Chargers have had lately with Staley and Lynn, and I'm just I not mean, sure if it's into the Chargers. But then again, you know, I, I think if they give him a little bit of freedom, I think you could really see, uh, honestly, a really good head coach um, land there with a young, talented quarterback that really just needs a guy that knows quarterbacks. Huh, I wonder why he knows quarterbacks. But um, Well, he um, used to play for him Because he was one himself who, who used to run the ball very well in an era when it was not done. Um, I, I like it. I'd argue um, – oh, what's his name? For uh, the Tennessee hire, is a good hire too. I think uh, could, uh, Brian Callahan. I think Brian Callahan will be good. I mean, 
you like what the Bengals organization has done. I mean, nothing against Mike Vrabel. It felt just stale in that organization. I don't think – I think people are, were some Titans fans, and I think the way that went happened, um, I think it targeted a bad look. And I don't think it was to be hasty. I just think they needed to freshen it up. I think it just got stale. It happens. You know, sometimes the message just grows old. Um, and that's what happened with Vrabel. So, I think getting a fresh perspective in uh, Tennessee, and I think, you know, coming from um, – Cincinnati, that organization seems to have figured something out. So I think it's a good hire. I'm not sure in terms of scheme-wise, you know, what that's going to look like yet. But there's a lot of unknowns on that team. But we'll see. Yeah. Alex, which ones, uh, what fit do you think makes the most sense? Uh, I definitely like the Jim Harbaugh. Um, I thought that was a good one. Sucks that it's not going to be my Washington Commanders prediction. but <laughs> Yeah, that that's true. That would have been so wild. Um, yeah, so I thought I thought that was a really good one. Um, I kind of like, and I, I, I might be, I might be, I might be crazy for this, but I kind of like the fact that um, the Panthers are hiring Dave Canales. I, mean, I, yeah, like the- I mean, he's a guy. He's a guy that's worked with Geno Smith, brought him back. Worked mm-hmm. with Baker Mayfield, brought him back. Now he's going to get a chance to work with. With a young, young quarterback, tried. yep, yep. So I, I think that's an interesting hire. Um, the one that stands out to me the most, and I think it's the best one. We talked about it in the group chat, but Raheem Morris, yeah, yeah, Went to Atlanta, got a top pick. I'm going to be able to do whatever he wants to do with that team. I like this one specifically because what it does is it shows that ownership is allowing their new hire and their general manager um, to control everything. And they, they even, they openly stipulated that in their contract. That man is responsible for the entire team. Now they are, they're going hands off. Yep. And they had an opportunity to bring Bill Belichick in and it was right down to the wire from what everything is, is showing. Um, but it seems like Belichick still wants more control than teams are going to be willing to give him with how the most recent years in, in New England happened. So, um, you know, I, I think that that specifically is a really good hire um, just for the fact that they stood their ground and said, you know what? No, we've already hired a GM. You either can come in and be the head coach and that's it, or you can, we, we just not going to move forward with you. And, and Raheem Morris getting that opportunity after being in interim in 2020 and having success as the interim um, right. I think speaks volumes. I think they go, Hey, we definitely screwed up not giving him the job. He's still the best candidate out there. The Rams defense, despite people leaving and injuries is still one of the top defenses in the NFL. We got to bring yeah. this guy back in. So I think that out of all the hires, I think. So I think, uh, cause I, I agree with that fit. And so here's my, here's my thought on it. Um, I won't, I won't, um, say what I think is my my favorite or my best fit because I'm 100% biased. I think the Chargers getting Harbaugh is absolutely a home run, the biggest thing that has happened to them in a long fucking time because they need someone to absolutely change the culture because they just have the stigma of being the Chargers, choking, not being mentally and physically tough, not being able to put away games, all that kind of stuff. Harbaugh is just going to bring in his quirky – 
football philosophy that has worked everywhere he's gone. And now he's actually got a stud at QB that he can mold things around. Um, so, like I said, I'm biased there, but that one's a home run. But here's what the coach signings say to me. We'll start off with the Morris one in Atlanta, and it's pretty much exactly what Alex said. Atlanta made a mistake letting him out of the building the first time. Now he gets a chance to go back there, and he's going to be the football guy. He's going to coach the team. He's going to put put it together the way he wants to put it together. And I think that because they've got the high draft capital, they have some exotic pieces on both sides of the ball that they can build around. I think Raheem Morris being able to finally put his thumbprint and his DNA on this team, get that chance is well-deserved. And I think that's kind of what that signing says to me. The Carolina one with Dave Canales, we talked about it already. He's got the proven track record of really building and molding quarterbacks into success, even guys that have had rocky careers. And obviously didn't get off to a great start rookie season for Bryce Young. So Canales is going to come in there. He's going to be able to work. That's the most important relationship in that building. I know Temper gets all the fucking headlines because he's the richest-ass owner and he's a hothead and all this bullshit. But the most important relationship in that building is going to be Dave Canales and Bryce Young, how they work together to make sure that Bryce takes off. And Canales is going to have to implement a scheme like he did in Tampa where Bryce is getting the ball out of his hands and he's not having to worry about getting lit up and sacked 50-plus times. So it's going to be Dan Morgan's job, obviously, to bring in pass catchers and bring in playmakers around him. But I think the Canales and Bryce Young relationship is important, and that's probably why that one makes the most sense to me. As far as what Tennessee did, it's very clear what Tennessee did. Tennessee bringing in Callahan is saying, we need someone who's going to come in here and see if Will Levis is our guy and if he can mold them. And now Callahan's gotten to work with Joe Burrow. Obviously, we know how good Burrow's been ever since he's been in the league. And Tennessee's made it very clear that we're bringing in a head coach who we think can get the quarterback into the position to be a a dependable starting quarterback, or we're going to get our answer uh, very soon, whether we're going to have to go ahead and – look for that answer somewhere else. But I think that's what that signing says to me is Callahan needs to be able to work with Levis and see what they've got. Now, as far as what's going on, you know, with the um, Washington commanders, the Seattle Seahawks, we'll wait and see what's going on there. I will ask you boys um, this question. Because mm. this this just dawned on me uh, earlier today when I was um, thinking about this. If and we'll we'll say it like this: true or false, it is wild to think that Bill Belichick may not be a head coach in the twenty twenty four season. Yeah, that's insane. Mm. I, th- I think it's pretty wild. To I mean, be it is wild in the fact that it's just, it's kind of like the next Haven thing. Like, it's going to, the landscape of what we're used to in the NFL and college football, it's always been cemented around those guys. Am I shocked, though? Honestly, no. Kind of the way things have been playing out in New England, and Alex, I think you've been calling it out more than anybody. It Again, it's kind of what I just said earlier. Shit gets stale sometimes, and it clearly, post-Brady, it just wasn't working. 
maybe the message wasn't received by those players anymore because you didn't have Tom Brady being a leader. And like, there's a lot to it. Maybe the guy needs a, uh, a fucking break. Give him a fucking year off. He could come back in a year and kill it. Who knows? But I, I mean, it is wild. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's wild. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Washington's trying to go after Ben Johnson. It seems like, you know, I mean, Seattle, you know, do they bring in Dan Quinn because of the success he's had, you know, there, are they going to look elsewhere? I mean, they've interviewed, you know, obviously they've interviewed your guy Kafka with the giants. They've interviewed Slowick with the Texans. Who's obviously a hot name. They've interviewed Ben Johnson, Patrick Graham. I mean, they've interviewed quite a bit. It's, it's kind of blowing my mind, though, that with Vrabel and Belichick out there, they haven't interviewed either one of those guys. It kind of blows my mind a little bit. But look, dare I say it, Belichick's a great coach. Doesn't mean he produces great coaches. No, and- that's true. And, and you don't know how much control, like Alex said, you don't know how much control Belichick still wants like is he probably is he still wanting to be GM and HC or is he just going to be okay with HC or does he take a year off from HC and then he goes and be a GM somewhere I don't know I mean look I'm not going to try to claim some weird conspiracy thing here but our team's going to go hang on let's wait and see let's see what Jerron Mayo does year one he's a guy that was under Belichick let's see what that very own franchise does with that kind of move because let's be real yeah Belichick disciples have not been quote-unquote, successful because they haven't won a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I mean, the most successful one is Ben Vrabel, but he hasn't even gotten – he hasn't gotten to the big dance yet. So, he, I mean – Teams have choked perennially in the playoffs. Yeah, there's no question. I just – like I said, it was, it's just – for how great of a head coach he's been, it's just wild to think that he's a free agent head coach and he may not get, he may not get a job somewhere. It's pretty wild. But um, let's get into the football component in terms of the games that are still being played on the field. Uh, last week in the divisional round, Baltimore um, took care of business against the uh, Texans 34-10. to 10. The 49ers took care of the Packers 24-21. The Lions beat the Bucks 31-23. And then the Chiefs somehow, someway go into Orange Park, Orchard Park and get another wide right from the Bills, and they win it 27-24. So that brings us – to the conference championship matchups. You've got the three seed Chiefs going to Baltimore to play against the one seed Ravens. And you've got the three seed Lions going to Santa Clara to play against the one seed San Francisco 49ers. We'll start off with the AFC title game, boys. Right now it is Baltimore minus four with the over under 44 and a half. We got the news today that Mark Andrews, the tight end for the Ravens, is going to play. And so as we preview this game, I'll, I'll pose the question to you both. We'll start it off with this one. The Kansas City Chiefs will win if blank. They won't win. Uh, the Ravens don't show up. <laughs> All right, so Alex said they won't win, and Matt says if the Ravens don't show up. So that means, obviously, you're both picking the Ravens to win the game. What is it that the Ravens are going to get done on the field to move them into the Super Bowl? Run the ball. Controlled pace with defense. Uh, Ooh. Disrupt the fuck out of the Chiefs offense. There's look, Joe Thune's not even playing. I mean Yeah, he's a big he's a big loss on the Chiefs offensive line, which 
I mean, when you got a Pro Bowl level interior offensive lineman, that makes a difference in the run game. I know they didn't get the stats there, and I know it wasn't really a pretty game. But if you really look at that game last week, like, I mean, I know the numbers weren't awful, but it's not like Mahomes sat there and, like, was just lighting it fucking up on a win here. Um, the, the Bills, I'll, I'll, sure. They- I'll give you a. I'll give you a perfect example of why the, the Baltimore Ravens are a better football team than the Kansas City Chiefs. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot. How many coaches on the Kansas City Chiefs staff are being asked to be interviewed for either the same position or head coaching positions around the NFL? Well, n- nobody. I mean, it's the Andy Reid walrus show. Mm-hmm. And who? how many are being asked on the, on the Baltimore Ravens? The, the whole team. The GMs, exactly. the assistant GMs, the DCs, the OCs. They're, I mean, they're, performing, they're performing better than the Kansas City Chiefs on all four levels of the game. Coaching, special teams, defense, and offense. And then you can and, break that and down. Executive, and executive level. So it's just it's just a matter of going in there. I, I, saw, some, I saw somewhere today, somebody is living in the past, and they said that <laughs> if the Chiefs want to win – they just have to force Lamar Jackson to throw the football and teams have done that this season. And he has thrown the football very well. So, yeah. Whoever, whoever so, said that hasn't been watching so, enough. So, so was that like, a, was that like an expert on TV? Yeah. So oh my God, so it's, it's, I'm just sitting here like, all right, last year I was that guy, like force the guy to throw and they're going to lose. Well, what did he do in the off season? He went and he went to work throw. and, and yeah. started to throw. And that's all he's done for the, does he have 800 yards on the ground? Yeah, he does. Does he have 3,600 yards passing? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you, you can't, don't say force him to throw because he'll throw the damn ball. And, and he's got guys that are getting open and not only are they getting open, Mark Andrews is coming out to play again. So, yeah. That's don't, a big don't, weapon this is a team that is ready to make a push. They're going to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs, and it, it's gonna, it is what it is, man. I mean, you're, yeah. you're not going to hear me complain about that because, uh, I'm quite frankly, I'm tired of the fucking Chiefs show. Um, honestly, yeah, I it's mean, more six, obnoxious than the Patriots AFC getting in. Dude, yeah. thank you. I'm so glad somebody else finally said it. because I, de- I dealt with the New England Patriots making it pretty much every year, every other year for 24 straight years. Look, and they 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 weren't they weren't even a third or a quarter as annoying as Kansas City Chiefs fans are for the last six years. Like, please God, shut up. I mean, I don't want this there's, to be like there's a lot of out spectacle. There. Like, I don't want it to be the only thing I talk about with the Chiefs here. But yes, Brady threw helmets. He threw tablets. He threw notebooks. He threw footballs. He threw whatever was near him. But I never once saw him act out like an actual child. He. Composed himself, found whoever he needed to talk to, talked to them, found a way to get under level, and then guess what he did? Usually probably had a game goddamn winning drive because he got pissed off and was like, nope, fuck this, it's not happening. That is not Mahomes. And you're seeing that, and I've said it, and I'll continue saying it. This is going to be another game. If you're going to frustrate him, you're going to see him get flustered in the pocket. You're going to see him make mistakes. You're going to see him look around like, oh, my God, I didn't get a call. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, that, that's the question is what's the over-under on how many times he complains to the ref? Oh, geez. I'm sure – well, it's, here's the thing. It's going to be a bunch. Well, the only thing I will say is it might not be as many because the Ravens might not be able to give them the ball that many times because I think the Ravens are just going to fucking eat clock in this game. Lamar's they, very, gonna be, they very well could, yeah. Dude, Lamar's going to be decisive with his throws, which I can't believe I'm making that statement in an AFC championship game with the Ravens. Um, where the hell are we and what happened? Well, look what what Buffalo did, man. I mean, they dominated on the ground that first half. And then for some reason in the second half of that that divisional round last week, they decided, 
we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go away from the run a little bit, well, and it stalled out a lot of their drives. And I think at the end of the game, they kind of got a little bit a little bit nervous about James Cook and his you know his ability to hold on and protect the ball. And they and they kind of helped the Chiefs out in a little a little ways because Kansas City was getting dominated on the line of scrimmage when it came to the run game, and you know Baltimore is going to be all over them. Well, that's what I was saying earlier. Like it was you know. The Bills may have not put up numbers, but they got to the Chiefs' offense. I mean, it's not like they—it's not like we sat there and watched, you know, Mahomes put on a clinic at quarterback. Like, I'm sorry, he, he did it. He has no. I, I mean, they made their plays when they had to make their plays or give them of that. Course, of course they did, but you know, to me, those are just those are becoming the routine norm big plays that any team can get on any given time with the right coverage and the right play dialed up. Like, I mean. To me, I'm not watching anything. It, it just does not feel like what was two years ago. Right. You know, um, I, again, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like, I think Lamar looks like a better quarterback. I mean, he's making oh, he does. He's making smarter decisions, and that's the big thing. Is Lamar probably did not just go back and learn how to throw a little better. He probably sat back there and watched film and watched what he did and what decisions to make because he looks like a different kind of quarterback. He's actually like. The, the the games where he just rolls out of the pocket willy-nilly just at any time don't seem to be kind of happening the same, right? Because he's taking a couple, you know, hey, I'm just going to throw it away. Or, hey, I'm just going to make a check down. Or, you know, whatever. Like, he's making different types of smart decisions at the position. And, honestly, with a guy that athletic, good luck, Chiefs. So, you guys obviously both like the Ravens to win the game. I, I also agree with you. I, I like the Ravens to win the game. But – as far as the, the betters out there, would you go ahead and would you lay the minus four with the Ravens or would you take the plus four thinking that Baltimore may have to win this one with a, a Justin Tucker field goal? I mean, as a better, I'm probably – I'm honestly probably rolling Ravens with the four just because yeah. I, I'm just that much more confident in them than I am even the Chiefs getting it to a field goal game. Um yeah, I mean, this line opened Baltimore minus three. Then it went to Baltimore minus three and a half. And now it's up to Baltimore minus four. So Vegas is begging people to take the Chiefs in the points. And you know what you know what that means when the line's going up and Ve- Vegas wants you to take the dog because they want the public to start betting that dog so that they can balance this sucker out because they think – Obviously, they think that the that number is going to be covered by the favorite. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't sweat laying the four. I could see Baltimore winning this one, you know, twenty twenty seven to sixteen. Really? Yeah, I mean, and if that happens, guess what? You hit the over. Yeah, over forty four and a half. I definitely I like that over because I think I think Baltimore is going to score in this game. I really do. I could see. Just like how Kansas City, how Kansas City beat Cincinnati late in the year, where Bucker kicked six field goals, I could see the Chiefs stalling out in the red zone if they get there, and Bucker having to single-handedly keep them in the game with field goals. Yeah, well, I mean, wouldn't surprise me. Um, what about you, Alex? Would you lay the four with the Ravens, or would you take the four with the Chiefs? Ravens. Yeah. So there we go. So we all like not only we like Baltimore. So we'd like Baltimore to cover the four. Justin Tucker is going to cover the four from 50-yard field goals. I mean, I mean 
what, what are we doing here? Like, right. that's it? Four? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think – I wouldn't I think be surprised if it changes. The weather is not going to be that bad in Baltimore either, like 50s and, you know, mild overcast. Like, it ain't going to be snow and wind. Which is going to definitely – personally, I actually think that play is better for the Ravens. Oh, shit, yeah. Um, I think their offense is going to be able to explode even more. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm dude, I'm just still – like, this week I've been, like, thinking about it. Like, it's still just – I'm, like, so baffled that we're even, like, having this conversation. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but, like, it's just wild, like, to see the progression of him. Because um, I've talked so much shit about the guy. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, listen, it's oh. okay. It's okay to have somebody – prove you wrong if they're proving you wrong for the right reasons. I mean, he's he's playing like quarterback the way you play quarterback. You give him his flowers. I, I agree. Like, again, exactly like you just said. It's the easiest sentence to sum it all up. He's playing quarterback like you're supposed to play quarterback. That's making yeah. a decision, which uh, could segue to the other game. Yeah, and we're, we're going to get into it right now. The NFC game, very intriguing. Lots of opinions on both sides. Uh Lions and 49ers, this one is San Francisco minus seven out there in Santa Clara. It opened seven. Uh, there were some six and a halfs out there, which got quickly gobbled up, and it went right back to minus the seven. The over-under is 51. Um, so we'll start it off this way. Um, well, the same kind of question. The San Francisco 49ers win if. Uh. Um, oof. I think they win if they can stop the deep ball and spread offense, which Jared Goff and the and the, and the Detroit Lions are doing really well on. Yeah, that could they definitely. Uh, I I don't I don't think it comes down to offensive firepower. They just cleared within the last twenty minutes. Uh, they just cleared Debo Samuel from the injury report, so he is playing. Yep. So that opens up the dynamic. Play. Kittle's playing, Ayuk's playing, McCaffrey's playing, right? So yeah, I mean, the Niners are full, full board. They're right? full go, right? So I, offensively, I don't think that has anything to do. I think they're still going to score points. I, I think it's going to be – let me see, buddy. I think it's going to be up to their defense to stop the, the deep game that the Detroit Lions have been so good at. I mean, we saw it last week. They, they, they were challenged up front, and they couldn't get anything moving in the short game. So they said, fuck it, and tossed the ball deep. <laughs> Yeah, and, so and they were they were scoring on that. I mean, how much how much blown coverage did we see last week? We were just sitting there like, how is this guy wide open? But it happened. They they know how to scheme and do that. So I think if you can take away, maybe put two up top and and, and let them sit um, and take away that deep threat from them, you could you can get some things going. I mean, I think another big one too is uh, we've talked about him being a he could be a game changer. Forty Nine will win if Nick Bosa gets going. Yeah, yeah. there's no doubt. I mean, the Detroit Lions offensive line, certainly the strength of their offense and the ability to not only pass protect for golf so that they can hit those explosive pass plays down the field, like Alex mentioned, but the run game has been one of the best in the league all year with Montgomery and Gibbs and Panay yep. Sewell, obviously a stud at the offensive tackle. So that'll be That'll be the game within the game, right there. I, say it, but I don't think it's cool. They just—they like, just I, have to take I, away the deep dimension, man. If you—if you turn the Detroit Lions, and we've seen it a few times this season when they lost, you take away the deep element or the run game, and you're going to beat them every time. Yeah. So I, I think that needs to be the focus. I, I the 49ers are staffed on defense, man, at every level, but it's really hard to stop a deep threat and a run game. 
in the same game. Um, Goff gets the ball out quick. That's going to be the element here. If Bosa can't get to him before he gets that ball out, they're going to be in trouble. I might make a bold statement. I'm not going to tip my hat to who I'm picking yet, but I I would not be shocked to see Aiden Hutchinson have a better stat line than Bosa. Yeah, he's on a hot streak. Well, and he's – let's be honest, too. He really is the pass rush for the Lions. If he doesn't get going, they kind of don't really have the supporting cast around him the way that the 49ers do. Yeah, uh, the 40, yeah. the 49ers have a good – they do. They have a good offensive line, but the statistics from this season show that the, 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 the San Francisco 49ers, when blitzed more than 70% of the plays in any game, end up losing. So if, if, if Detroit can keep that blitz up and get yeah. pressure on Purdy, and it's not even so much the pressure on Purdy, it's just that the offensive line can't keep up, um, they're going to have some trouble. So, like, I mean yeah. – not for nothing. I mean, they did. They did get four sacks. I wanted to make sure I had it right before I did it. They did get four sacks on Baker, um, and only one of those was from Hutchinson. Now, yeah, you know, I, I say that's going to be something that the 49ers are going to have to pay attention to. Um, again, Hutchinson is definitely their best pass rusher, but he isn't the only guy that can make some plays there. So, I mean, Detroit's biggest weakness is going to be stopping. Well, let's let's call it what it is. Detroit got four sacks, but as Alex mentioned with the blitz, three of those four sacks were defensive backs coming in on corner blitzes. You had Ifola Matu and Brian Branch. I mean, so, like, they're blitzing the secondary players to get the pass rush. And like Alex said, that's going to be the key is that blitz. Does Detroit dial up that blitz from the secondary to throw off the rhythm? Because we know what the 49ers passing attack is. We know it's a it's a rhythm passing game where Block Purdy throws it into open spaces and throws his receivers open. You know, that's the, that's what that passing game is. It's a play action, rhythm passing game. Purdy's one of the best at throwing into open spaces on timing in the league. And if there's the blitz and it throws off the timing, obviously we know what that can do when it comes to uh, hitting those pass plays down the field. I think that what is what sounds the most logical to me in this game is this. The 49ers had their their tune-up game against the Packers in a game that was closer than people thought. They were kind of rusty out of the gate for a little bit of it. I think now, especially because the team is completely mm-hmm. healthy, like Alex said, they're full go and they've gotten a game under their belt. I think this is an absolute bounce back game where the 49ers are able to go four quarters, play their style of game. I do think that the Lions are going to be able to score in pace for a little bit, but I do think that as the game goes on, the way that the 49ers play on both sides of the ball, it's going to start to wear down on the Lions. And I do think that the 49ers are going to be able to pull away from, from this thing late. So I would, I like the 49ers minus the seven if I was giving out the betting advice because I think that you can get a put-away touchdown from McCaffrey. You can, I mean, we know that if Jared Goff is um, feeling generous, so to speak, we know that he can make some decisions, throw the ball into coverage. There could be a Hafunga or a Lemonor interception. You know, the, the 49ers could seal this thing late if they play their style. We know the stats about Shanahan trailing by a touchdown going into the fourth quarter. We get that, whatever. But I think that the 49ers are going to be able to pace this game the way that they want. I think they've gotten the rust off of their back. 
Yeah, I this this is probably a, a tougher matchup. I, I honestly I think this game will be the Super Bowl. Um for what well, we I mean, want. Baltimore's pretty good. No, well, okay, yeah. No, no, I, I get that, but it just in terms of what both these teams can do. Yeah. Offensively. I, mean, I think right. So I think the Chiefs Ravens game is gonna be more like spectacle. I think this game, I'm with Alex on this. I think this is going to be the best X's and O's of the two. Yeah. And I think it's going to be like, I'm, I'll set, it's, it's going to be exciting to watch, is what's going to happen. I think, I, no honestly, I would take the Lions plus seven, not because I necessarily think they're going to upset, but I think they can pace. And I think that they'll be able to find a way to keep this game within a touchdown till the very end. Um, they're going to get worn down. And I do think it's going to, it's going to take its toll, but I think that's going to come at like, end of the first half, they're going to need to regroup, and then they're going to have like like that kind of bounce back second half. I could see that being this kind of game where it seems like it might be out of reach, but it's really not. It's like only like a 10-point game, maybe seven and a half, but it feels bigger kind of thing. Um, if the I'll Lions- say the biggest X factor for the Lions keeping this one close is their ability to run the ball against the 49ers. If they can run it, they're definitely going to be in this thing till the end. I think no. if they can run the ball, and I think if they can just close the spaces on defense, um, even just a little bit, you're not going to be able. You're you're not going to close every like you know open space. Um, Purdy's going to find spots. It's going to happen. Yeah. But if you just keep it at a minimum, or at least the open space doesn't become big gouge, you know, fifty yard gains, forty yard gains. Like if you're not getting burned like that, which I don't have that much confidence in the Lions because they do, but you never know. Sometimes yeah. these, you know, you get in conference games. Guys play outside themselves. Well, it's like Alex said. If if the forty, if the if the Lions can't stay consistent with the blitz, and they they allow Purdy to get into that rhythm passing game, he's going to dot them up all day because he throws oh, yeah. into open space just as good as anybody. Oh, one hundred percent. I I I like this game. It's it's going to be it's going to be a really good game. Um, for the sake of bet lines. Uh, I would, I would, I would say people can comfortably bet the 49ers to win this. Um, that would, that wouldn't shock me, right? I think that's that's a safe play to make. Um, for the sake of conspiracy theory, I'm gonna say you need to you need to bet the 49ers and the and the Baltimore Ravens um, <laughs> because that's just what that looks like the last two years, and now the uh, man, that the, logo is looking so, pretty familiar now. Say, so tell the tell the listeners what that conspiracy is. So the conspiracy is the so the last two years of the Super Bowl they've announced they changed the logo right and they changed the logo to the two colors of the teams that were playing in the Super Bowl last year and the year before and the team that won the Super Bowl the two teams that played in it mirrored the colors that were in the logo for the Super Bowl that was out like the logo that was out there right top and bottom right and then the team that had the least amount of color in the logo is the team that won the Super Bowl. And lo and behold, here we are in the NFC Championship game and the AFC Championship game. And the colors of this year's Super Bowl logo are a very ominous purple and a very lightly done crimson red. (laughs) Right? And I don't know what to tell you. Uh, There's only two teams playing with a red, but there's only one team playing with purple as their color. So, uh, for the sake of conspiracy theory, I'm going to say bet 49ers, bet Baltimore Ravens, get your money, watch the Super Bowl, and then put your money down on the on the 49ers to win this year. 
Um, but I will say for the sake of, of football, the integrity of football, the love and excitement of the game, I genuinely hope that it is a Detroit Lions and Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl with the Detroit Lions winning one. Boy, I think that would, I think, I would think that would be the, that would be the greatest story for full. It would, it would renew everybody's hope that, that it's not scripted, even though it is. Don't, yeah. don't at me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if the Lions, if the Lions did go into Santa Clara and beat San Francisco, just making it to the Super Bowl, I think, would prove that they they um, they ruined the script. And I mean, if they won the damn thing, it would be great for the city of Detroit. Like Alex said, it would prove that really, no matter how bad your franchise is, anything's possible. Because let's call it what it is: the Detroit fucking Lions went zero and sixteen. Like they were literally one of the worst football teams in the history of the league. Not that long ago, with a good quarterback, Matt Stafford, borderline Hall of Fame quarterback, 0-16 football team, and now on the verge of potentially representing their conference in the biggest game of the year. So it would be a great story. Obviously, the city of Detroit would probably fucking light itself on fire and go back to the apocalypse if they got to this thing, and and it would be even worse if they won it, but they would deserve it. So. It's going to be great. Like I said, in terms of X's and O's, you guys mentioned this. I think this one is going to be the better game in terms of X's and O's. The AFC one between the Chiefs and Ravens, that, like Matt said, that'll be the spectacle. That's the fucking Romo and Nance, you know, slobber fest all over the quarterbacks, blah, blah, blah. But the Lions and 49ers, I think you'll get a back-and-forth game. Um, you know, styles, definitely different styles in how those two teams play when – which, you know, always makes for a little bit more interesting X's and O's game to watch when you got teams with big-time contrasting styles. So that'll be fun as well. Um, there's going to be a lot of action. Obviously, there's only two games this weekend, and there's going to be a ton of money pouring in to the, to the sports books, whether it's in Vegas or Atlantic City or on the mobile apps. Uh, like I said, keep your eyes on the lines. I don't know how much they're going to change, honestly. So, like, if you're looking for a number right now, like, if, if somehow, some way, the tease 49ers it. game – Yeah, tease it. Like Alex said, if you if you don't get the number you like, tease it to one that you feel comfortable with and put them both together. Or, you know, keep your eye on that 49ers-Lions game because if it goes – like we've talked about, Matt knows this more than anybody, it's that magical hook. If it goes down to six and a half or up to seven and a half, you better grab that magical hook with whatever team you like. If it gets to seven and a half, you jump all over the Lions. If it gets down to six and a half, you jump all over the Niners. But, yeah, keep your eyes on the numbers. If you don't like it, you tease it. Um, obviously, before we go, we got to get into some of the, the player props here. Uh, as far as these games go, who do you like to score? Because we know there's going to be touchdowns. Who do you like scoring touchdowns this week in both of these games? Uh I mean, the obvious one, there's no way that CMC is not getting in the end Yeah, C- CMC is getting in there, isn't he? I think I would, I would say CMC and Ayuk. Okay, CMC and Ayuk for the Niners. Who for the Lions? Uh, I think uh, – Go ahead. And am I saying Ross Brown? Okay, St. Brown, okay. I've actually got Josh Reynolds and uh, Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs and Reynolds. Yeah. I like I like Gibbs getting in there for sure. Yeah. What about over in the AFC? 
Uh, I think definitely – I think Lamar runs one in. Yeah, well, I mean, he had two last week. What's to stop him, right? Yeah. Is this a is this an instant impact game for Mark Andrews? Yeah, I, I, I think it. I think it absolutely is. I think Andrews will have one, and I, I think see, Andrews and Flowers. Honestly, I can see Gus having one. Flowers could have a long one. Hell, OBJ might have one. Shit, <laughs> they're gonna be a lot. They're gonna be a lot of a lot of there touchdowns be, in this there game. There might be four or five touchdowns from Baltimore. Is what we're saying? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Wouldn't I mean, surprise me. You know, there's definitely. Uh, I think. And there's a larger window of who's going to score a touchdown for the Ravens, which yeah. does make yeah, they just they got more players than them do. They do. Well, I mean, I love the I love the over one and a half touchdown passes from Lamar. Yeah, I think I think anybody would be smart to bet that man. You got you got to you got to chuck the rock twice into the end zone. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I think Lamar over one and a half touchdown passes. I like that. Obviously, the anytime touchdowns. There's a lot of ways you can go. Um, you know with with the Chiefs, you know, obviously Kelsey had the two last week. Do they? Uh, nah. Does he? Does he get back in there? I don't think so. I think he's. I think he's due for more of a dud. If anything, I think you see Pacheco run one in. I think, um, Pacheco, or, yeah, or you get that rookie Rasheed Rice to catch a random one. I would. The, I would say Pacheco is probably the definitely the easy lock on that because even though I do kind of agree with Alex, it'd be hilarious if they kick have another like five field goal game. Um, that would just be great. Yeah, it would that, be, it that like, won't yeah, surprise I mean, me though. I, I it really them. wouldn't. But you got you got you got a Hall of Fame kicker, one one of the best. I mean, the dude at this point, he's he is the best. He's better than <laughs> Vinatieri. Yeah, yeah. I don't the, know guys, the guy's hitting. He's hitting seventy yarders in practice. Like, come on, this is this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah Baltimore but, yeah. and Kansas City might have the two best kickers in the league right now. One hundred. This dude is this dude is a cheat code. <laughs> which, hear hear me out. Which coach? Which coach goes crazier in terms of kicking like fifty yarders to play that game of like, okay, well, you saw us, we're going to kick the points anyways. Fuck you. Uh, I think I think I think if anybody's playing to just take points, it's Harbaugh. That's because my... he because kn- he knows he's got the defense that can play four quarters against the Chiefs. Yeah, watch out for that too. I think uh, yeah. Tucker have quite and and why, and why wouldn't Harbaugh he knows he knows he gets across the 50 like Alex said he's got three points in his pocket with Tucker. Yeah, seriously Tucker. like he he doesn't have to get very far and he doesn't 30, he doesn't have 30 to yards of drive and you're kicking points you know what I mean like what the yeah. fuck <laughs> yeah and and I mean if you're listen the old the old saying is end every drive in a kick an extra point a field goal or a punt and you're doing okay don't turn the ball over end the drive in some form of a kick and you're probably going to be doing okay Harbaugh's pretty good at that, so yeah, well, they're, they're fine. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be entertaining. You know, the first game's at three o'clock. The next game's six thirty. So you got your your day to get all prepped up, and then it's you know sit on the couch and watch uh, two heavyweight games. It's gonna be entertaining, no doubt. Can so, we like? Well, I think the NFL needs to take a look at like just the scheduling of life. Three thirty, six thirty, and fuck Sunday night football together, like. God, so forever? Fuck you. No. 330. <laughs> no, I mean. You're talking about, you're talking about this playoff? Talk- or you, you... No, I'm talking about permanently. Like, fuck Sunday Night Football. Like, fuck it. Yeah, you're tripping. Nah, you're tripping. Fuck that. Nah, man. Sunday Night Football gets too many people. There, there's always yeah. going to be. I'm kidding. You must be, you must be high. <laughs> hey, man. I'm a old man. You, you got to think Sunday Night Football for most for, for the West Coast starts at 515. I don't know. Uh-huh. I would kill for that. 
I would say that's that's well, one of the yeah, biggest but... things I miss about miss about uh, being on the West Coast is you wake up Sunday morning, to nah, ten o'clock, football baby yep, is going. I'm just, yeah, your whole, your whole just day. saying, NFL. Just just take note. Some people like to go to bed before your games end on Sunday night. <laughs> hey, that is that is fair. So like last weekend, um, you had what was the what was the last game? It was Bills Chiefs. That was the that was the six thirty kick, right? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I, I honestly, I would even take, I would take even seven fifteen or seven thirty, you know, for Sunday night football. But it's what it is. Uh, there's a lot of things the NFL can do better with scheduling, you know. But we'll get into that in the off season. Now, next week's show is going to be a little bit different because we won't have the Super Bowl to preview right away because it'll be a bye week. So our Super Bowl show with all of our uh, analysis as well as our uh, bets and player props and all the fun Super Bowl bets that you can get. That'll be in two weeks. Next week's show is going to be something different we haven't tried before. Um, it'll be fun for our listeners. Um, the boys will have their work cut out for them, but it's going to be good. Oh boy! And it's going to be a uh, a new a new spin on something. So it'll be interesting for our listeners to see what they think after, uh, how that goes. But don't challenge me, sir. No, no, no. I, I, you'll get all the details. You'll be fine. You'll love it. It'll be right up your alley. But as, uh, as we leave with the show, hopefully everybody enjoys uh, the games this weekend. If your team is one of the four still in it, good luck. Uh, you'll be nervous wreck. Uh, I don't envy that, although we both wish our teams were still in it right now. But, hey, there's no, always next year, as they say. So. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, I mean, you, you do and you don't. You don't want that kind of anxiety and stress. I, I never I, – I, not not right now, I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, not when you can't have a tequila, right? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so, for myself and Matt and Alex, it's been another episode of Found the Pigskin where it's all football all the time, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>